Blog Talk Radio. Hello, welcome to Snake Oil Radio here on Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, Jim Ventura. Thank you for joining me today. If it is your first time tuning into our show, let me tell you a little bit about what we're doing here. Uh, my name, again, is Jim Ventura. I am a professional navigational consultant. Uh, I have a home office here in Phoenix, and I do consultations uh, locally as well as by phone uh, with people using astrology and numerology and tarot and animal cards and a number of different types of oracles that I've been working with for many years to give them insight into their life and where they're heading. Uh, if you want any information about personal sessions, uh, go to my website at jimventura.com and you get all kinds of info on, on setting uh, on session options and check if that's something you want to do. Uh, I'm also a writer, and I have a couple of published books, uh, Dirty Little Secrets, as well as Snake Oil Volume 1. Both of those are available on Amazon, and uh, I also am a blog columnist, and I do a monthly column called Snake Oil, or go the title of our today's show. And uh, I've actually got about a, a little over a thousand subscribers to the column already. And um, if you want to uh, get my monthly column and newsletter uh, once a month, email me at VenturaSage at yahoo.com. All the information is on uh, Blog Talk Radio's site, by the way, too. And you can uh, get signed up for the free monthly newsletter, which is um, never shared. It's blind copied out. And gives you access to my column and all kinds of great metaphysical information, as well as uh, when I run specials or things with readings, uh, you're the first one to get those. So anyway, uh, normally I do usually three or four shows a month on Thursdays, and I've got some different themes for each show. Uh, This is our first of the month uh, show that we're doing today, so I'm actually going to do a live column read of my present um, monthly column. And then I'm going to talk a bit about that uh, through the rest of the show. Some of the shows, like, for instance, next week I'll be doing an astrology update show, and I talk a bit about the current astrology, and then I take live calls for free five-minute mini-readings for a couple of people in each show. So if you're looking for the mini-reading shows, uh, again, you always want to go to the astrology shows live to catch those. Sometimes to do other types of shows, interview shows, or specific kind of class instructional shows as well. So sign up for my fan page here, and uh, that way you can kind of know what what different types of uh, radio shows are coming up. But generally, beginning of each month, we do the live column read. So I'm going to do that just in a few minutes here. And then uh, if if there's any time at the end of today's show, I may take a caller or two. I I don't really know if we're going to have enough time today. So if you do call and you don't get through, definitely call back. Uh, next week, and I'll make sure I, if you get in early enough, we'll make sure you get you in for a couple minute free little mini card or rune pull for you. I see what's going on in your life. But uh, a little bit, like I said, I'm going to read my live column, uh, my current column, I should say. And uh, then I want to talk a bit about that because, you know, I, one thing I tell people is you really will often get a lot out of the columns if you if you subscribe and you listen to what I'm talking about each month. It may not always be the specific subject that's applying to what you're interested in, but a lot of times it is. And uh, really, I've t- people telling me it a lot that they get a lot of from just reading the column itself. It often answers a lot of questions. It gives them a lot of insights. I really do high rec- highly recommend you doing that. It doesn't cost anything to do this. So obviously, it can be a big help 
in that context. Uh, so I'm going to talk a little bit about the column after I read it. And then I do want to also mention a little basic astrology today, too. That's why I don't think I'm going to get to the phone lines today. And if you hear me sniffling a little bit, this is a couple of days ago, I ended up having a uh, little bit of like a sinus infection, I guess slight cold, which is uh, much better today by far. But it's interesting because I haven't been sick in so many years. I have forgotten how uh, frustrating it is to have this kind of stuff going on. But it is a practical reality of life, so I don't stress about it. It definitely is a lot better. I saw an acupuncturist uh, a couple of days ago, and that was a big help, as it usually is. Anyway, so let's talk a little bit. Let me read today's column and uh, for our column for February and this is uh, snake oil number 83, and uh, it's called Dharma, Visions of Tomorrow, Today. As much as I was comfortable with the home family and where I was born, I knew at a young age that I'd move away. There were signs and directional arrows that pointed to a future move. I lived in the same Long Island home in a middle-class neighborhood until I got my first apartment. I moved to Arizona when I was 25. At the age of 21, I got my first apartment with a buddy, and then I shared a rented house with another friend for a few years before I decided to move west. It was clear to me early on that the task of finding a way to make enough money to buy a home on the island and live comfortably was not going to be an easy one. While you couldn't make more money than in most other states, the costs to live in New York were extremely high. I had great friends and a mostly supportive family, but I really got the push to leave it all behind when I was around 23. I was a few years into my studies of metaphysics, and I'd read books about Sedona, Arizona, and began to think that that was the place for me. While I'd never been to Arizona or California or really even knew anyone who lived on the West Coast, it seemed to me that it was simply a better spot for my growing spiritual interests. I was tired of the cold, snowy, and wet winters, and the pull to move became increasingly overwhelming. While intuitively I knew I would move, I needed to see how it physically felt. I made the decision to travel to Los Angeles, Phoenix, and Sedona during the same trip in early February of 1989. I landed in Phoenix to get off a plane to an experience an extremely well-received 75 degrees. I instantly fell in love and felt like I had come home. I felt like things were clicking into place. My excitement around the potential move was stronger than any fear I may have had. California and Sedona were awesome, but also really expensive. So Phoenix was my destination of choice. My first apartment was a $349 a month, and it was a really nice one. I made the move in late 1989. There were all kinds of practical details that went into my decision to move, yet it was the metaphysical ones that were the most pivotal. Even when I was very young, there were many different signs that I'd moved west. I was fascinated by the Mary Tyler Moore show, and specifically the theme song of that show in the 70s. The whole idea of going to another city and starting over intrigued me. How will you make it on your own? This world is awfully big, and girl, this time you're all alone. But it's time you started living. It's time you let someone else do some giving. Love is all around, no need to waste it. 
you can have a town. Why don't you take it? You might just make it after all. Replace the girl for boy in the song, and I knew that this was something that I was destined to do when I was old enough. Mary went somewhere really, really cold, Minneapolis. I wanted to go somewhere where it was warm. Playing in the snow and aspects of winter were fun when I was younger. Yet, when I became an adult, snow was mostly a pain in the ass. Absolutely loved the spring, summer, and fall when the weather was warmer to even hot. I was happy and less pessimistic when it was sunny and warm. One of my favorite songs as a child was California Dreaming by the Mamas and the Papas. California and the West Coast in general was where it was sunny and people seemed to be pretty buff and happy. It was scary to consider leaving everything I knew behind, along with all the securities and comforts of home. Still, we also knew that I needed to really find out who I was without the chains of my past holding me back. I needed to start fresh, to take risks in order to mature. I knew that the metaphysical path was calling me, and the West just seemed like the place I needed to be to find what that path was going to be all about. Coming to Phoenix and being only two hours away from what I thought to be the most metaphysical town in the U.S., Sedona, was just too hard to resist. Dharma is our direction karma. While we always have free will and make choices about what we do, we also come into our lives with blueprints or maps of probable directions we will likely move toward. This is what our dharma is. We often see much of our dharma in our astrology charts, numerology charts, and working with other types of oracles. This is why I decided to develop expertise with these tools to understand my unique path and to help people understand theirs. I had many other glimpses of aspects of my dharma throughout my life. When I was 13, I had a vivid, lucid dream of a library. I began to pull books off the shelves because there were lots of them. I saw dozens of books that were written by Jim Ventura. I would become a writer someday. When I was a kid, I used to enjoy recording pretend radio shows with my friends on cassette tapes. In my early 40s, I started doing my weekly radio show. For the most part, everything I've always enjoyed doing, especially the things I thought of as play, have become successful aspects of my work. On countless occasions, I've felt that familiar click when I could see how I had been led to do something that was now falling into place. I thankfully have always been blessed with an ability to see signs. Even if you don't feel like you've ever had enough prophetic signs or any visions in your past, there are other ways to see one's dharma. Going on a vision quest is a great way to get a clear view of where we are heading. All cultures have some version of this process. In Lakota tradition, a boy goes on a vision quest at puberty to find his identity, his name, and direction. He isolates himself for four days and nights on top of a hill without food and water. The site is isolated and protected by a medicine man. You don't have to do something this extreme to vision quest. Shorter vacations or retreats into nature will often help open our eyes. Even with brief visits, nature seems to amplify our intuitive vision and help to release the blocks that can interfere with our ability to hear our intuitive voices. 
It's a process of temporarily retreating from the noise of the world itself that can help us to get in touch with our dharma. Listen, we're surrounded by a steady stream of loud noise in this world. On top of this, we're frequently bombarded by the noise of people telling us what we should be doing. All of this chatter can make hearing what our intuitive self is saying harder to hear. I had one of the most profound and clear views of my life while sitting on the edge of the Grand Canyon in 1990. I saw vivid details about my near future. I was able to see the problems that were blocking my way. I was struggling with some major issues at that time, and the vision wasn't an easy one. I needed that clarity, and it helped me to let go of a number of blockades, including an extremely abusive relationship I was involved in at the time. Prophetic visions and new creative ideas often come when I'm on vacations. I frequently get insights about where I'm heading in my future while on drives to Las Vegas. Some of my best writing, videos, and other creative ideas have come to me this way. You don't have to be born with powerful intuitive and psychic abilities to benefit by tapping into your dharma. Like any other skill in life, the ability to see can be developed with practice. There are many ways to increase our ability to get direction about where our path is heading. But a vision quest is something everyone can do. Okay, so that was my February column that I wrote last month. Um, you know, the writing process in itself is probably an interesting thing to discuss. Maybe I won't take so much time on that because I want to stay kind of on subject here about uh, this topic, but I may kind of brief into that a little bit today as well, too. But, uh, you know, I think the thing is, you know, when I, and, and, you know, it's funny when I, when I talk about the marriage on the more theme and, and uh, California dreaming and be playing with radio shows when I was a kid and all of those things. You know, people get excited. They say, God, that's so cool that you had all these directional arrows. And really, I did. I had a lot of them. Um, I think it has a lot to do with being an older soul. But listen, and I like to tell this to people too. For all my listeners, all my readers, all my clients, everyone, guys, you're not out of this stream either. We all have visions and awareness and deja vu and all of these things that come throughout our lives. Some have it more than others. We all have it. Sometimes we can't really necessarily see um, something that we're, we're heading toward uh, because it may not be in our best interest to get a vision of that early on. Sometimes it might. But I think the thing is, really a lot of what our dharma is, is really kind of tapping into our life purpose and what we're meant to do. And we do. We get these things at different points in our life. I think the average human being, a lot of this operates more as kind of an after effect meaning looking at it in hindsight, that you can kind of then see all the signs that were coming when something happened. So the trick of tapping into dharma is, you know, when you could see it beforehand in some respects, and maybe not always necessarily in exact detail, you will often really, really have kind of a sense of calm, knowing where you're heading and knowing you'll get there one way or another. So like I said, again, for me moving west, great example of it. There really were a lot of signs. Um, I loved growing up on the East Coast. It was great growing up in New York. I have a lot of very fond memories of it. But even the 23 years later, the winter just does not do it for me. 
I just get sick a lot when I was in New York. Also, I, that, that's that's just so funny now because I'm I'm a little bit on the ill side. But uh, it's so rare for me to get sick now. Um, that has to do with a lot of other factors, but you know, some of it does have to do with being in a warmer environment and being healthier and taking care of myself in a different context. But like I talked about in the piece, you know, a vision course is something everybody can do. You know, you're you're really able to do this. Um, you know, again, like I said, kind of mentioned in the piece, nature is really almost like an amplifier. When you get into nature, you often have a clarity and a vision that can come. Um, but really much of what a vision quest, in this quest is about is we are so bombarded by just noise, just all of the time. People telling us what we should do, what our priorities should be, where we should be putting our energy, what we should care about. So when you get away, even if briefly, you often can kind of hear your own intuitive voice, your own intuitive knowingness, and get that clarity away from the buzz of what everyone is, in essence, telling you to do. Just really think about it. You're, you're told what you should care about, what you shouldn't care about. If you have children, you're told what your priorities should be. As a parent, if you're in a relationship, your mate also has ideas about what you should or should not be doing, and then your job, and then your family, and, you know, the list goes on and on of all the uh, <laughs> all the potential uh, pulls of, of, of what we should and shouldn't be doing. So I think the the key of, of a healthy vision quest is, um, you know, it gives us an opportunity to really, really pull away and really recapitulate that 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 vision. And sometimes they're profound. You know, like I had mentioned in the piece that I wrote, when I moved here, um, I wrote about this in my first book, by the way, um, Dirty Little Secrets, still available, by the way, um, both in, in print and uh Actually, it's, I've got it on CD also where you can play it in the computer and just listen to me tell all the stories, which is really cool. You can order that. You can't order that through Amazon, but you can order it directly through me. And it, 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 I think I've charged 10 bucks for the CDs, so they're not expensive. But one of the pieces I wrote about is I had moved here with someone I was living with at the time, uh, someone who was really um, claimed to be a friend and someone I was very close with. But it turned out that he was stealing from me and uh, did all kinds of terrible things, uh, including impersonating uh, me. And he joined the army under my name. I could go on. I mentioned, I talk about this in, in, in Dirty Little Secrets when, when, in a piece I called Criminal. But uh, when I was at the Grand Canyon, I was at the Grand Canyon with him. And he went hiking for a bit, and I was sitting on the edge of the canyon. And this was probably one of the most prophetic um, visions I had ever seen, and I, I saw everything he was going to do to me. It all became clear to me that he was going to steal from me, destroy me financially, you know, all kinds of it. The visions of what was to come clearly came into view. And he had come back, and I was actually kind of weeping and very sad, and he said, what's the matter? And I said, I see what you're going to do to me here in Phoenix. And he said, oh, I don't, you know, I can't believe you. You'd believe some weird vision that you have on the edge of the mountain over what I tell you, and I'm your best friend, and I would never hurt you, and all that. Well, well, of course, you did everything that I saw. But uh, the uh, I say that with humor now. It was a very, very bad experience. I guess that's why I have such an empathy for people going through painful relationship drama in any capacity. Because uh, listen, I've been through it in my own way, and you know, in, in grand form. 
And uh, that's the gift of being older and wiser now. I can smell those type of people coming a mile away. But that was my karma at the time, and I needed to see it. And uh, I don't know whether it helped that I saw it, but maybe in some ways it did, because even then I started really waking up and understanding I needed to come up with a fallback plan. And uh, anyway, he I, I talk about what happened in the, in the book uh, a bit more. It's kind of a very sad story. I end up feeling a lot of sadness for that, that man and where he ended up putting himself. Uh, he ended up in jail for other reasons and uh, did not carve out a good life for himself. Um, poor guy. So uh, while I got hit hard, mine went away and his uh, lingered for, for many, many years. Um, and uh, but uh, so that was kind of a kind of a darker vision that I had at that time. But you know, here's the thing about our dharmic visions that we get: sometimes we see difficult stuff, sometimes we see you know positive and good things. It's the same thing like when I read people's cards, including my own. Listen, if you didn't look at a, a tarot card spread, you're going to find out where amazing things can surface, where there are good and positive things. You're also going to see difficulty, because if you think about it. Tarot is just a reflection of life, and, and life, you know, at times is wonderful and easy, and, and then at times it's challenging, and, you know, the beauty of, of knowing, and this is the thing that, that scares people so much, because sometimes people will, you know, they'll call me, and they want to book a session, and they're nervous about it, they're saying, I don't want to know anything bad. Well, and I say, <laughs> listen, that's kind of a myopic perspective that you don't want to hear anything bad. The, you know, the deeper truth of life is, Listen, people get sick, people die, people lose jobs, people go through difficult things at different points in their life, or even if they're not necessarily going through it, people around them may be going through it. And uh, But knowing it, um, it isn't um, necessarily a bad thing. I mean, one of the things that I, that I always try to remind people of, you know, it's this expression in Asian cultures where they say calamity, um, uh, fortune often rises out of calamity. I may be saying that off slightly, but that's kind of the expression. Um, what that means is when we go through something difficult, it, it also is supposed to transform us. In other words, you know, I, I can use the most ex- obvious example of this. Say you have a reading and the cards show a breakup in a relationship. One, that doesn't necessarily mean the relationship is permanently over. You may break up and then reunite. So that's not always necessarily the case. Same thing, if an illness surfaces or difficulty surfaces, you know, you, uh, you know, we we may we may heal. We may find that knowing that we did a little better job in, in seeking out a healer sooner, and, and other factors that come into play. So there's value. But also, um, again, going back to the breakup analogy, most anyone who's old enough to have gone through a couple of relationships in one capacity or another knows the joke that I would say about how all exes get hit with the ugly stick. Which means, listen, you go through pain, the loss of a marriage or a relationship, but, you know, if you're a functioning, spiritually involving human being, most of the time, a couple of years, if not weeks or months later, you look back on it and be like, you know, bye, thank you, goodbye, that was it. You know, I'm glad I got rid of you. <laughs> you know, that now I now I met someone else or I got comfortable being a single. The same thing with the loss of a job. Again, sometimes devastating, but... And that's a loss of a job can be the very thing that leads us to the really the true career that we're meant to do. So that's why I would say, you know, don't get so nervous about um, vision and awareness and, and oracles in that sense. Really, most people, when I work with them, they don't really leave my office necessarily hearing something they didn't actually know or feel. Just more they got a confirmation about it. 
And then on the positive side, what's great about that type of a thing is often you'll also see good things, amazing things that then you can kind of put a lot of energy toward in a more positive way. If you know you're going through a lucrative period where you're lucky and you're blessed and things are tend to work your way, well, hey, you can milk that for everything it's worth. And, you know, I mentioned this years ago on the show that I had a brief window astrologically where um, I saw that I had Jupiter conjunct my ascendance. Unfortunately, it was only about a two-week window or so. Uh, I wish it had been going retrograde. I went back over it again, but no such luck. Uh, so uh, typically it's like it happens about once every, I believe, 12 years approximately. And uh, when Jupiter does that, we tend to get really lucky. Um, and uh, I, I knew it, and I went to the casino, and I was playing, and I wasn't spending more money than I had, and I won uh, 1400 bucks uh, uh, just playing, you know, video poker. And I was playing really low stakes, by the way. If I had been max betting on that machine, it would have been more like six grand. Uh, <laughs> so people said, oh, if you only were max betting, I'm like, listen, when I gamble, I'm a cheap skate. I like to gamble low things. I just enjoy playing. You know, I'm not trying to win big money, but yeah, I, I, I milked it a little bit. I used it. I saw the good, and I, I took a little advantage of it. So that's the other thing. Like I said, when we understand our dharmic visions and, and even working with oracles that way and getting insight, the more self-aware you are, the more you can take advantage of the beneficial attributes and the more you can learn, grow, and maneuver through the difficult with more ease, harmony, or wisdom. So that's the key. So I would say don't be afraid of, of that type of a thing. Um, it's not, you know, listen, people tell me this all the time. They go to readers who end up, they get bad readings or they, you know, or they have a really scary dream or a vision and they become very fearful around that. And I say, one, listen, with readers, you know, listen, you go to a reader, uh, psychic of any capacity, always use your own common sense, your own wisdom, as well, see whether it fits. You know, anytime something's channeled to another human being, meaning that they're pulling in information from spirit, it's always tainted. It's never 100% clear. Um, that's something that's really important to remember. So, you know, if people, you know, their viewpoint of your breakup may be far more disastrous because they have had uh, difficulties in relationships, you know, as opposed to some, you know, as opposed to someone who has not. So you always know, got to kind of still use your own wisdom when dealing with that. And when it comes to visions that you receive through a vision quest or through a dream or another awareness, remember, again, not all visions are always, especially with dreams, are always a literal example of something that's going to happen. When I had my, um, you know, vision at the Grand Canyon, it was quite literal. I saw it in really vivid detail. But that's less common. More often you'll get a feeling about something, an idea, a directional arrow of where something is likely to head. So there's, a, there's different vibrations to that, especially with dreams. Always know that. Most people don't dream. If you have a dream where you're, uh, you know, you're, someone is trying to kill you or, or something like that, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have a, uh, you're going to get killed because you dreamed it. Hey, listen, we might be dreaming um, in a figurative kind of a way um, that we need to make some changes in our life where we've got fear or we're afraid of dying. It may be that we're dreaming about a past life influence or something else in that context as well, too. So don't get caught up in that. That I think a lot of people do with always taking things literally. But 
getting back to the subject of the vision quest, there's a lot of ways for us to perceive. Again, astrology chart is a great way to look at our general blueprint directional arrows that we're taking in our life. Um, I, I was very lucky that I, I learned all of that early on. I mean, I started studying numerology and astrology, which are two excellent tools for seeing uh, our life paths in a certain level of detail. I learned that so early that that's probably another reason why I've always had a confidence because I knew I was meant to write. I knew I was meant to do healing work. I knew I was meant to play. I knew I was going to have a lot of experiences connected with relationships. I can see that in, in my chart. Uh, so I was able to see all of those things fairly early on. Um, I'm getting tons of calls as I'm trying to talk here today. So uh, I think that that's an important thing um, for, for, for everyone to remember. There's a lot of different tools that can do it. But again, astrology can be a lot of work to try to learn it on your own. Uh, numerology is a little easier, but still certainly a lot of work. Um, but a vision quest is available to anyone. You know, take even, you know, even there's something about sometimes taking a bubble bath for an hour and just telling the kids to leave you alone and turning the phone off for a bit. I mean, we, we live in a day and age where people are really, really prone toward being available for communication at all levels. You will probably notice this, too. I remember the other day I, I had gone out and I had forgotten my cell phone. And I'm driving to run errands, and I just felt like I was, like, in a total crisis. I can't believe I've got my cell phone on me. What if I, um, what if my car breaks down and I need it? What if I, you know, what if someone's calling me and I've got to attend to that? What if, what if? All these things are running through my stupid head. And then I'm thinking about it. I'm like, you know, 10, 15 years ago, we... We did things all the time without a cell phone on us. We found a pay phone, and again, it may, may not be the easiest task finding a pay phone anymore. But come on, I mean, if you really have a, a crisis or a difficulty, you can ask just about any person around you if you can borrow that cell phone for two minutes. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, or any store that you're in or anything for that matter will let you make a call, so it's not really the crisis that we think it is. But we do. I think we're conditioned to just need a constant um you know, barrage of information and getting it at all levels. And, and a little quiet can be really beneficial. I mean, even in just the most simple way, sometimes when you're driving, like, turn the radio off just for 10 or 15 minutes. Listen to the sound of the car. Um, put the, you know, open the windows, get a little air. Yeah. If you're on the East Coast, and you're probably not doing that right now because it's freezing. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, get a little air, get a little quiet, get a little clarity of thought. But, yeah, you don't have to do a grand vacation in order to do a vision quest. You don't have to starve yourself or any of those other things. But, yeah, pull yourself away from the stream of life, even for a little bit, once in a while, to get yourself refocused. It is something that everyone is able to do. Okay. Now, um, I had a couple of callers. They already dropped out. So we've got a little bit more time here. Uh, I'm going to go about this in more detail next time, but I do want to kind of bring this up because I think it is an important uh, thing right now, and it's very pivotal for today. I'll talk about it more on my astrology show next week. But today, pretty much almost at this moment, um, Mercury is going retrograde to Pisces. So Mercury rules the way we communicate, the way we think, the way we express ourselves. Um, so when it goes backwards a couple times a year for about three-week period, we tend to have to kind of review, recharge the batteries, relook at things, you know, classic Mercury retrograde examples are communication tends to get kind of screwed up. People hear something different than what you told them. 
appointments can get a little bit more mixed up. Computer equipment sometimes can get screwy. Things go a little out of whack. Anything to do with communication will get a little backwards, so to speak. It's not generally the best time to sign contracts, start careers, things of that nature. It's more a time of almost relooking at something, recapitulating or um, reexamining more than anything else, because that's where instinct is there to do. I always jokingly say, I always get dingier during Mercury retrogrades. I forget things more. I do the classic, I'll walk in the kitchen to do something that I have no idea why I'm in the kitchen. <laughs> walk away, go do something, and then 20 minutes later realize that I was going in there to get a roll of tape to fix something. Or... So we just get a little dingier. And because it's in Pisces, it's going to have a lot to do with areas in our life where we're selfless, where we're giving, where we give and we're willing to sacrifice in a healthy, positive way, and it'll also have us re-looking at where we might be giving too much, where we can get caught in the trap of martyrdom, attending to the given called hurt syndrome, um, and not really know where to draw boundaries because the gift of Pisces in our chart is it always shows us the area in our life where we tend to be compassionate and we're able to sort of see the God in everyone and everything, which is a beautiful attribute to have, you know, if you're dating a criminal or you've got a friend that's draining the freaking life force out of you and taking advantage of you, you understand the, the flip side of kindness um, and seeing God and everyone can also bring up that how much you're giving and is it unbalanced. So anyway, I'm going to go into this in a bit more detail in uh, my astrology show next week as I update you guys on all the other stuff that's going on. So, um, I could probably take a phone call here, but it looks like uh, everybody gave up. So talk a little bit more about uh, a couple of other subjects, and then we'll finish up for the day here. Um, we were talking about Dharma and what that's all about and what that means. Um, so let me go into just a little bit more detail um, about that, and we'll kind of finish the show with that idea. Again, your Dharma is your direction karma. So, you know, it, karma itself is a process of uh, the balancing of cause and effect. So um, direction karma or dharma is like the directions that were kind of meant to head. So you know, think about it from at this level. When you start a job, you can look at that as, oh, I, I applied for a bunch of jobs and then I happened to get this one. Well, there's some truth in that, but at another level of looking at it, if you're at a job for a long time, most people form a, um, a familial structure within their jobs. You become friends with coworkers. You may, may even meet the love of your life there. If you're, you know, you're committed to any endeavor that way, um, often there's kind of deeper purpose behind that. And the same thing with, um, like if we move, and we move to a new, a new place, we meet certain friends, we make certain connections, these are all examples of dharma, meaning direction karma. So I'm going to give a great example of this to all my listeners here. Um, you know, when I was living in New York, a couple of years before I had moved to Arizona, I had been doing a lot of past life regression work. I actually was reading books about how to do regressions, and I was doing them. I was doing self-hypnosis and doing regressions and look, trying to see if I can get information about past lifetimes. In fact, even some of my friends, we were taking turns regressing each other. There was a whole period where we were doing that. And I, being pretty thorough, um, I wrote down a lot.
lot of these um, uh, these images that I got during these regressions. And I saw a lot of people that I recognized in this life, and I saw a number of people that I didn't know now. And what was interesting for me was when I moved to Arizona, a lot of the people that I had seen in past life regressions that I had known before, I immediately met within the first few months of being here. The levels of familiarity. I can go into all kinds of stories about this, but for lack of time, I will not. Uh, but, uh, you know, I was definitely meant to move here uh, at, at multiple levels. There were people that I was meant to meet. Um, there were uh, things I was supposed to do. So that's one of the things that's really cool about understanding your dharma. When you know it, there's sort of a synchronicity. You understand that there's a deeper purpose behind um, what we're meant to do and the directional arrows we get maneuvered toward. I will always remind everyone, listen, no matter what anyone has ever told you, as much as dharma and our direction karma is such a compelling force and can be seen in our astrology charts, numerology charts, and other aspects of our lives to oracles, everything about being alive on the physical plane is still about making decisions and choice. If you're meant to move somewhere and mate with someone or start a career, listen, in all probability you will. There will be directional arrows from a higher self that will push you toward that experience, and you will um, inevitably do that. But we're always free to resist. If you don't, if conditions come up, say you have a mating agreement with someone and that person is pulled to another place or refuses the connection or goes through some type of a hardship that was not necessarily anticipated, uh, we may not meet in this time in this place, even though we were kind of destined to. We'll find another way to do it in another time. And we still always make choices. But your karma and your dharma is pretty compelling in that most of the time we really will be drawn to doing it. And, and think of a lot of these things as kind of a broader stroke type of a disposition. When I saw the image of myself when I was 13 of pulling books off shelves and realizing they were written by Jim Ventura, that I remember very, very sincerely. I remember colorful books and seeing the titles and all of those things. Um, but I, I can tell you to this day, I don't remember how many of them there were. I don't remember exactly what the titles were. Uh, I just knew I would write multiple books um, and quite a few of them. So we, the detail may or may not always necessarily be there. It's more a larger kind of a feel and a pull toward what our directional karma is. The other thing is, and this goes back to the other subject I had brought up before about even looking at our dharma or having card readings or things of that nature. Even if you see or go through something difficult, this is a point that I think I really want to clarify for, for all of my listeners. You know, um, and I'll use an example of this. I had uh, worked with a woman a couple of months ago, and what had come up in her tarot card spread was some abuses during her childhood. And what I energetically felt was that she had been uh, molested or abused at some level when she was younger. Um, she validated that and got very emotional about it. Uh, she was uh, you know, in the 50s, so she wasn't a child, but it was stuff that should happen when she was younger. And what she knew, and I'm very proud of her that she was able to see this, was she understood that one of her primary things in this life is, is working with young women and counseling them and giving them insight. So her experience in that horrible, horrible 
situation of dealing with any level of abuse had also led her to become a healer to work with other young women in her lifetime. So that's the one. This is such a dark example, but it's also a common one uh, for 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 many women and, and some men. And I remind everyone that you no, know, no matter what you've been through, however bad it may be, there's always purpose in it. In that sense, I have a very very good friend who's a personal trainer who seven or eight years ago went through cancer and had Hodgkin's lymphoma, which was devastating. He had a wife and and two small children. And it was bad. And uh, he, he got through it. He, he had cancer treatments, and he worked through it and is in complete remission and is very successful now as a trainer. He um, is probably in some ways a better trainer and a healthier person because in some ways he went through that and overcame it. So I think that that's such an important thing for us to remember, that no matter how bad something is, we can turn it around, and we often will find that it will be of use to us down the line. I know I say this as a writer. I don't think I can have bad in life because even if I do, I will use it as writing material. And that's often. I just, I just don't see it any other way. I mean, I like a difficult experience, but I know that it will help other people. A couple of years back, I went through a lot of difficult financial stuff, and reached a really, really pivotal place where I even contemplated bankruptcy. It had gotten really bad a couple of years back. Not a shock for a lot of people to hear, by the way. Um, I made it through that, and I'm thriving and doing very well. Um, and now, of course, because I went through that, I have insight into financial practical matters that has been tremendously helpful to many clients and people around me. I used it in a way that's beneficial. And here's another thing. I mean, this is just this, this kind of points for it to end on for the day because it looks like we're running out of our time here. Um, but every time you encounter something difficult and you, you break through a fear and overcome it, you have a choice in the sense that you can either become phobic and fearful that it could happen again or realize that because you went through that, you've learned it, you're smarter, you're wiser, and you won't go through it again. So to me, every time you encounter any type of difficulty, it does potentially make you stronger in a way where you become less fearful in general. I don't really have to lock my doors or I worry about getting attacked or any type of difficulty because I'm kind of a pretty fearless human being. I've been through some difficult stuff in my life, and all it's done is make me not afraid of things. So it's worked beneficially, even though... Believe me, when I've gone through some of the difficult things, there were times I wanted to toss that shit out the, way, out the window. When you're looking up at the sky and going, why are you putting me through this? You know, so I've got a number of clients that have to deal with some financial stuff, and I've been able to really help them. Um, and I'm going to do more of that in the future with people, help them become successful. In fact, I'm working on another book and a series uh, of teaching people how to market their own businesses um, for nothing and to be successful that way. So I went through it. Now I'll use it. To remember that. That's a big part of our dharma. We have purpose. And sometimes we may have to go through a little difficulty in order to allow that purpose to really come through and to shine. Okay. We are at the tail end of our show here, so let me uh, uh, kind of sum this up. Um, I talked about dharma today, and uh, if you caught the show later on, listen to it from the beginning. Good peace. Uh, realize we all have our own aspects of dharma or direction karma that are a big part of our life, and we need not be fearful of it. Uh, most of the time, it's really leading us in a positive way toward what we to do. 
even though sometimes we'll have challenges in order to get to those things. Uh, anyway, so um, if you're not already getting my monthly column, email me at VenturaSedge at Yahoo.com. I'll get you on the monthly newsletter mailing list, blind copied out, so no one will ever get your email address from me. Uh, great columns give you, give you all kinds of information each month and give you opportunity to get discounts on readings and specials and and I should start doing some um, Skype classes as well, too, within the next year or so. Also, have some information about that. But you get to read my books before they become published. So another benefit that way. But uh, anyway, and if you want some information about booking a personal session, you know, you can call in on the shows and get the free couple-minute mini-readings. But if you want a real reading, very beneficial, uh, just go to my website, jimventure.com and get information there about, the, uh, about all of that good stuff as well. All right, this is Jim Ventura. Thank you for tuning in to Snake Oil Radio today. I will be here next week. Sorry, last week I ended up uh, missing a show because there was just too much going on and I had to cancel it, but we will be doing that, um, that show uh, next week. So hopefully we'll hear or see you all then. Cheers. <laughs>